You are listening to the Israel Connection on JA Community Radio in Melbourne, Australia. My name is David Schulberg, bringing you another episode of this weekly radio program that provides analysis and insight with important interviews and discussion about Israel. Danielle Traub is the co-author of a paper that argues that a dual foreign policy strategy of Azerbaijan toward Israel explains the strengthening of the ties between the two states from 2011 to 2022 following Azerbaijan's decision to move to a knowledge-based economy. This innovative hypothesis may help to illuminate a new perspective on the growing development of ties between the Muslim world and Israel. I'm introducing Daniela Traub today, and uh, we are going to talk about Israel-Azerbaijan, the relations that are going on between two countries that perhaps a lot of people are not too well aware of. But I wanted to ask you before we get started, first I welcome you to the show. It's great to be talking to you. Thank you very much. How do you come to be focusing your interest uh, in particular on this relationship with Israel and Azerbaijan? First of all, thank you, David, for having me on your show. The relationship between, well, basically I'm actually researching um, knowledge-based economy, Muslim knowledge-based economies, which would be an oxyramon because you think that the Muslim states aren't that advanced. So part of my research, I also have the UAE and Morocco, and another state which I decided to focus on is Azerbaijan. And Azerbaijan is extremely interesting because it's not in the Middle East. It borders with Iran, yet we see very interesting processes actually occurring internally in that specific state. And then you have the relationship with Israel. And the relationship with Israel is interesting because we do have relations with Azerbaijan since 1992. Yet those relations were quite covered, limited, also in range, also in volume. They were more focused on government relations than people to people. And yet in the last few years, we've seen an increase in those relations. And that triggered the question for me of why. Why have we seen this uh, increase in relation and strengthening of ties between the two states? And that brought me to actually uh, research Azerbaijan because of that question. So you're saying that the turning point for Azerbaijan-Israel relations occurred around 1991-92, And I believe that in 1991, the declaration of the parliament of Azerbaijan restored the country's independence and Turkey became the first state to recognise it at the time. And Israel followed very quickly, recognising the independence of Azerbaijan. And this must have obviously uh, brought the favour in the eyes of uh, of Azerbaijan that Israel did recognise it uh, so quickly, so, so swiftly. Actually, Turkey was a big influencer in the relationship uh, between the two states in the beginning. In 1991, uh, Azerbaijan received its independence after the fall of the Soviet Union. What happened is that Turkey decided to introduce the two states, Israel and Azerbaijan, which brought to uh, the diplomatic uh, official diplomatic relations in 1992. It was a big influencer in those relationships, uh, in that in that specific relationship. Still, even though there were diplomatic relations, Israel opened an embassy in Azerbaijan, in Baku, but Azerbaijan didn't open an embassy in Tel Aviv. Not to say, obviously, not Jerusalem, but even in Tel Aviv. The opening of the embassy actually occurred only in 2022. So I'm actually saying that the relationship took 
a change in 2011. And the reason why I'm saying that is that Azerbaijan internally started moving to a knowledge-based economy. And a knowledge-based economy is an economy based on innovation, technology, and education. And it can't occur without one of those three. Now, another pillar of that economy is the trade and the exchange of knowledge, meaning knowledge has to come uh, externally into the state, go out of the state as well. And that makes the the global economy grow and increases competitiveness now increasing of um of competition between the state in the uh, economic uh, arena brings to the growth and prosperity of the uh, global arena and of the specific state now you need all those four pillars to actually make that economy succeed and that's the kind of economy we actually see in israel since uh, the 90s more towards 2000. now you need other states uh, that are a knowledge-based economy to help you increase your own knowledge-based economy. Therefore, Israel is even more attractive to Azerbaijan than other states that aren't knowledge-based. Now, this is only truth since 2011. Before that, most of the relations between Israel and uh, Azerbaijan were more military-based cooperation. Now, there were a lot of corporations to do with uh, weapons and deals um, and, and, and arm trade, uh, especially because Azerbaijan was an, until uh, 2020 fighting uh, Armenia on the Nagorno-Karabakh area. That brought to a lot of the uh, intimacy in the relationship between the two uh, states because Azerbaijan needed uh, Israel uh, in that aspect. And it also needed uh, the favor of the U.S. and the Israeli lobby. And um, Israel needed the oil. And all this kind of relation is called a realist relationship, meaning that the relationship, according to the realism theory, says that states only cooperate in order to survive in an anarchic uh, system uh, where I would balance my power in front of a common enemy, such as, let's say, Iran or Armenia, in order to gain power uh, and survive uh, in front of a threat. Now, in that kind of relationship, the main corporation is a military corporation or uh, oil-based uh, corporation. And it, it's a, it's a usually a win-lose situation in those uh, types of corporation, or that the other side wins or that I win. It can't be both. Now, in the recent cooperation with Israel, it, it slightly added another aspect. It didn't delete the realist cooperation that obviously is still in place and is also increasing, but it also added the element of a neoliberal cooperation. And, and what do I mean by that? I actually mean that in a neoliberal corporation, you actually you you need to cooperate with another state in order in order to bring mutual gain to another, and that also creates interdependence between those two states. The cooperation can be in international organizations, can be trade, and usually it's attributed to democracies. Yet we see an extremely interesting phenomenon in the last few years, in which autocratic systems and states such as China, such as Russia before the war, were taking the neoliberal corporation, especially in the technology um, aspect, 
and draining the Western values out of it, draining human rights, women uh, rights, and so on, and just using the system of, of economic cooperation between those uh, two states, then we can see this is actually also happening with other Muslim states, and not only China or Russia. We can see this in the UAE, and we can see this also in Azerbaijan, where you choose many states that are knowledge-based uh, in order to increase your own economy and achieve growth and prosperity so that your knowledge will leak out and their knowledge will leak back in. Different to an oil-based economy, uh, which Azerbaijan was and also the UAE, and still, when you try to move to a knowledge-based economy, it has to come from the people meaning the government has to direct and invest, but the people are the ones that have to do that transformation through education. So it's not only the top, the elites, it's the entire population that has to move so that this economy will actually be successful. And the UAE, uh, for example, decided to do this in one of the plans, Vision 2020 and Vision uh, 2030. They tried to do this because uh, they understood that an oil-based economy can't be sustainable forever. The oil will run out and the oil is also influenced by world world movements and, and, and occurrences. So they needed something that is for the long term. And this is happening throughout the different Muslim worlds, also in Morocco, also in the UAE, and also in Azerbaijan. So Azerbaijan in 2011 launches the first vision plan of moving the economy to a knowledge-based economy. And this influences also their foreign policy from mostly based realist cooperation to a more combined foreign policy of a neoliberal and a realist cooperation uh, with states knowledge-based economy space, states, and Israel among those specific states. Now, this is what you've expounded in this paper, a dual foreign policy strategy. And yes. uh, you've, uh, you've sent me a, a summary of that, but is that going to be the body of your PhD? Well, in my PhD, I'm actually uh, researching the three different countries, Morocco, UAE, and Azerbaijan. I'm focusing on each of their specific economies and the internal move that's occurring in those states and the influence of that move towards a knowledge-based economy on the foreign policy of those specific states. You actually can see in Azerbaijan a very interesting thing. Not only do they launch several plans of education and science and the, the merging between them to get to that uh, specific goal, but also uh, you see laws laws that they actually pass in parliament so that they will move to such an economy, um, investing in ed education that will be more scientific and the connection between the two, and also reconstruction of ministries, creating, let's say, for example, in 2013, we, they create the uh, Higher Technology and Communication Office, uh, which is supposed to specifically deal with that. They also increase the budget in all elements of uh, knowledge-based uh, Economies such as education, technologies, the foreign uh, ministry. So all the budgets since uh, 2011 have increased dramatically of the investment of the of the government. And if you analyze, you can actually see a very interesting trade. 
I created a table checking the increase in measurements. If it's um, scientific R&D expenditure, education expenditure, protection of uh, intellectual property rights and share of ICT goods and uh, export and import. And you see that between 1992 and 2011, we have an decrease in most of the criteria, but from 2011 to 2020, we have an increase in all those criteria. So you can see that the government is trying to invest as much as possible to move that to, to that direction. Are they there yet? No, they far from being a knowledge-based economy, but they are definitely trying to achieve that uh, type of economy. And that in order to, to, to achieve that, you need the cooperation with other knowledge-based especially Israel, that country can contribute a lot, not only in military. And that's what we actually see since 2011. We see many more diplomatic visits also in the areas of agrotech and health tech. We also see the decision before the, the decision to open an embassy, we, we see the decision to open a trade office in Israel between Azerbaijan and the two, the two states. We also see uh, suddenly corporations with institutions such as the Technion between universities there, governmental and uh, Israeli academic institutions, because suddenly that becomes important. They need the knowledge and they need the cooperation in order to achieve their own growth and prosperity. And when you were talking earlier, Daniela, you referred to the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict. Now, yes. I'm not really um, au fait with the status of this conflict, and I don't know who uh, who is right uh, in this, but obviously Israel has seen it to be expedient to side with Azerbaijan, and mm -hmm. uh, the Armenians have not got much sympathy from Israel over the decades, as we know, back in the early uh, 20th century, the Armenian genocide, Israel never gave any real uh, support or empathy for that uh, genocide because of it would uh, have enraged Turkey. Not only Turkey, it would have enraged also Azerbaijan, which is that triangle that uh, in the last few years has been um, even closer. It did go a bit distance with the relations between Israel and Turkey, but now it's uh, starting to, uh, there's a reapproachment there. I also won't touch upon who's right in this conflict, but I, I will say that Israel contributed a lot to the uh, Azeri struggle there. Um, most of the um, equipment and weapons are from Israel. Between 1992 and 2010, the arm deals, according to CIPRI, between Israel and Azerbaijan was 28 million. From uh, 2011 and to 2020, the arm deals are 860 million. So Can there's just, a jump. Uh, but, in, but in for a moment, just to give another perspective on that, Yes, I've got figures from the Stockholm International Peace Research Institute. Mm -hmm. So yep. Israel accounted for 27% of Azerbaijan's yep. major arms imports from 2011 to 2020. And from 2016 yep. to 2020, Israel accounted for 69% of Azerbaijan's yes. major arms imports. So Israel is by far the most significant uh, arms supplier Absolutely. to Azerbaijan. Absolutely, that's exactly you. You you uh, you stated uh, Cipri that that the Stockholm Institute. Yes, we can also see that there is a decrease in arm deals between Azerbaijan and other Western countries, but an increase with the Israeli technology. And you can see that most of the drones used in the last uh, 2020 round between uh, Armenia and uh, Azerbaijan were Israeli. 
people are saying that the reason that Azerbaijan won was Israeli technology and training. So that does deal with the, the realist perspective of uh, the relationship. We can also see that Azerbaijan does have a common border with Iran, which is important to Israel when it comes to its specific operations that may or may not be conducted in the area. That's also an important part for, for Israel in that specific relationship. Yes, Israel contributed a lot to Azerbaijan. And I think that that would be also one of the reasons why Armenia is not very happy with uh, what's happening between it and Israel. Obviously, Israel wants the most states to be its friend, but it does see the world in 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 a way. And, and also Netanyahu said that about himself, that he is a realist. He needs to survive in the system. Therefore, he will cooperate with who gives him the most uh, options of survival and strengthens its state. It won't say no to states uh, for peace or for cooperation, yet it will choose the states that give it an advantage. And if Iran, in the eyes of Netanyahu, is the main threat to the state of Israel, it will go with a state that can help it against uh, Iran. Yeah, understood. And we've seen uh, in 2020 the signing of the Abraham Accords, which brought a huge diplomatic normalisation between Israel, Bahrain, Morocco, Sudan and the United Arab Emirates followed by an exchange of Israeli and Turkish ambassadors two years later. Seems like uh, the president of Azerbaijan, Ilham Aliyev, uh, suddenly saw uh, things were going on and he felt it was about time that he should follow suit. So this has been another major uh, factor that's driving uh, the warming of relations between Israel and Azerbaijan. Well, I do think it does have an effect, but I will claim that it actually started before and that it contributed and it helped push him there. But you could see that the tightening of relations actually started in 2011, when there was the internal shift within Azerbaijan. It did help. It's nicer to know that you're in the right club. But it's also this tightening of relationship is something that is crucial for Azerbaijan to achieve its, its own goals. Therefore, you can see already that there are many more diplomatic visits and many more agreements, also on the weapons side, but also on other technological aspects and education already before uh, the Abraham Accords. Tell me, how many flights are there at the moment between Baku and Tel Aviv? I actually have no idea. Uh, but um, I do think that that aspect isn't strong enough. It's the same with the UAE. While there are so many Israelis flying to the UAE, there aren't a lot of uh, Emiratis actually coming to Israel. Uh, and that is a problem because when you want to normalize relations, uh, if you want to strengthen the ties between states, you need the people to be close. Because if it stays on the government level, then you see what we have in Jordan and we see what we have in Egypt, which isn't a war and peace. It's very cold um, and even sometimes not possible to really go for those states uh, in, in, a in a security sense. So with Azerbaijan, there should be much more of that. But the Office of Economy that they decided on opening is actually called the um, Office of Trade and uh, uh, Tourism because they understand that they do need to increase also that aspect in order for the uh, uh, tightening of the, uh, the strengthening of the ties to actually be valid and longstanding. Yeah, we did see uh, the foreign minister uh, visit Jerusalem, Tel Aviv, in late March, and uh, he had talks yes. with his Israeli counterpart, 
Ellie Cohen there, and they uh, inaugurated the, the opening of the embassy at that time. So things are certainly happening. What I wanted to draw attention to now is interesting side issue, sideshow going on. Uh, Israeli intelligence helps collect a lot of information about what they view as extremist organisations in the region, and one of these groups is Hizbut Tahrir, which seeks the annihilation of the State of Israel, threatens both Jerusalem and Baku. Hizbut Tahrir is suspected of having several hundred members in Azerbaijan, and several of its members were arrested and prosecuted by Azerbaijani authorities. Now, I'm bringing this up because uh, some of my listeners uh, will be aware of Hizbut Tahrir. They're an international pan-Islamist and fundamentalist political organisation. They're considered a radical Islamic group, and they've come under scrutiny from the Australian government. They're operating relatively freely in Australia, but in a Muslim country like Azerbaijan, they're under the hammer. I think that many uh, Muslim states actually have this uh, problem. Uh, Azerbaijan is a Shiite state. It obviously does have extremism internally. So does Israel. I believe that Azerbaijan has much more to gain from the relations with Israel than of letting this kind of organization actually exist, especially when there's an extremely strong Jewish community in Azerbaijan. That community is has always been protected. There was not a lot of anti-Semitism in Azerbaijan. And that also is important to Azerbaijan when they speak about the relations with Israel, they speak about the relations with the Jews. Obviously, also what we spoke about with the arm deals and what Azerbaijan is actually gaining, not only on the military aspect, but also on the technology and knowledge um, uh, aspect, is much more valuable than the continuation of this organization. And I see that, and I think that that's also one of the reasons why they are trying to fight this organization as much as possible. Now, this isn't only a threat that is threatening Azerbaijan. The specific organization, yes, but uh, we can see it in parallel to, to the U.S. They also, they in, in the Gulf region where there's, um, uh, there is terror, terrorism exists, and they invest so much in trying to uh, decrease it, eliminate it, uh, and ban it, because they understand, as for Azerbaijan, that stability is key for growth and prosperity. And they can't bring their nations to where they want to go if they let this prosper in their own states, because they saw what happened in Syria. They don't want to be that. They want to be stable. They want to be considered successful and they want to bring prosperity to their states. And terrorism, if you have that in, inside your state, you, you just you just can't get anywhere. So I believe that Azerbaijan has uh, a lot of interest in actually abolishing that internally. Now, Azerbaijan has close links with Turkey, as you've been telling us. Now, with uh, the, with Israel-Turkey relations coming on the improved lately, this is no doubt going to have further positive repercussions on Azerbaijan's relations with Israel, would you say? Yeah, I agree. Um, Azerbaijan and Turkey actually refer to themselves as um, two states, one nation. Uh, they believe they're very similar. The fact that Israel and Turkey drifted apart in the last few years wasn't very beneficial for Azerbaijan yet because Azerbaijan is its own state and has its own interests and goals they continued the relationship uh, with Israel even though one of their closest allies 
didn't. I do believe that in the next few years, now we see that uh, Erdogan is, is continuing, he's actually strengthening its, tie, its ties with Israel, maybe after the, the compensation on the Marmara that Israel paid, um, but also for internal reasons um, of uh, Turkey itself, which I'm not an expert on Turkey, so I won't elaborate on that. Now we can actually see maybe a triangle and a very interesting triangle between Azerbaijan, Turkey and Israel that will actually help the prosperity of, of all three states and bring to very interesting uh, corporations in the future. Well, it's been really uh, fascinating talking to you about this subject. It's uh, not an area of the world that uh, I'm terribly familiar with. And I think you've been illuminating uh, us with a, a new perspective on the strengthening of ties uh, between a Muslim state and Israel, which is a, a key uh, indicator of uh, what uh, the future may hold uh, for Israel in the region. Thank you very much. It was such a pleasure being on your show. In my interview with Daniela Traub, she referred to the fact that there is a very strong Jewish community in Azerbaijan, and one part of that community comprises the mountain Jews, as they are called. Ayan Babakishayeva is an Azerbaijani singer and actress who was born in a family of mountain Jews and she sings in the Juhuri tradition, Juhuri being the traditional language of the mountain Jews of the Eastern Caucasus Mountains, which today is mainly spoken in Israel. Let's listen to her singing a Juhuri song of Azerbaijan.
You've been listening to a podcast of Daniela Traub, who is the co-author of a paper that argues that a dual foreign policy strategy of Azerbaijan towards Israel explains the strengthening of ties between the two nations from 2011 to 2022, following Azerbaijan's decision to move to a knowledge-based economy.